you must have heard people often quoting the three generation rule in the context of family businesses. What it essentially suggests is that most of these family businesses don't last beyond three generations. Basically, the first generation earns, the second enjoys, and the third squanders. Every country has its own version of this saying. In Brazil, for instance, it goes like rich father, noble son, poor grandson. You must be wondering why I'm talking about this in my politically correct show. Well, it struck me in the context of Rashtriya Lokdal chief Jayant Chaudhary's likely move to dump Samajwadi party as an ally and enter the NDA tent. He is a third generation dynast, grandson of former Prime Minister Chaudhary Charan Singh and son of former Union Minister Ajit Singh. When I am talking about the three generation myth about business families in the context of Jayant Chaudhary's uh, move, I am definitely not suggesting an end of his political fortune. And I'm also not saying that going with the BJP is a bad move. I'm talking about a three-generation proverb in the context of the political dynasts that we have in India. Some of them may seem to fit the bill. But it's not because the shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves saying is the absolute truth. There are ways these dynasts can beat it. But I'll come to that later. Let me talk about Jayant Chaudhary first. Remember Kishore Kumar's song uh, in uh, 1971 film Kati Patang? Shama kahe parwane se pade chala ja, meri tarah jal jayega yahan nahi ya. Woh nahi sunata usko jal jana hota hai. Basically the flame asking the moths to stay away, but the moths don't hear, don't listen to the flame because they have to die. Think of the BJP as Shama or a flame and regional parties as parwanas or moths. BJP chief strategist Amit Shah is not Anand Bakshi who would think of the flame asking the moths to stay away. That only happens in the world of romance. In Amit Shah's world, Shama must entice the Parvanas. And Jan Chaudhary of the RLD is ostensibly finding it difficult to resist the flame. Diljit Liya, he posted on X after Prime Minister Nain Modi announced Bharat Ratna for his grandfather. It doesn't take much to win the heart of a leader whose party has been out of power for a decade. Incidentally, in 1976, when the issue of dual membership was being discussed uh, in the context of the formation of the Janta Party and Jansang leaders' affiliation to the RSS, Chaudhary Charan Singh had said Jansang should not be part of the Janta Party. Union Minister Bhupendra Yadav and Ila Patnayak have uh, mentioned this fact in their book, The Rise of the BJP. Like Charan Singh, Jan Chaudhary's father, Ajit Singh, his son, had dropped and made allies at the drop of a hat, much to their advantage. Charan Singh was part of every Congress-led government in Uttar Pradesh until he defected from the party to become the chief minister in the first non-Congress government in the state in 1967. Three years later, in 1970, he became the CM again with the help of Indira Gandhi's Congress R. He took her help again in 1979 to become the Prime Minister. In the meantime, he formed at least four parties after Congress. Bharatiya Kranti Dal, Janata Party, Janata Party Secular and Bharatiya Lok Dal. Ajit Singh served as a minister on the four Prime Ministers. VP Singh, P. V. Narasimha Rao, Atal Vihar Vajpayee and Dr. Manmohan Singh. Ajit Singh, in fact, outdid his father when it came to forming new parties and alliances. Ajit Singh formed Lok Dal Ajit in 1987 only to merge it with the Janta Party, party the next year. He joined the Janta Dal when it was formed through the merger of the Janta Party, Achen Bahugna faction of Lok Dal and the Jan Morcha. 
Ajit Singh then switched to the Congress and contested the 1996 Lok Sabha election as a Congress candidate. He quit the Congress the same year to form the Bharatiya Kisan Kamgar Party. Three years later, in 1999, he formed the RLD that Jain Chaudhary heads today. Look at the party's alliance strategy since then. With the Congress in 1999, with the BJP in the 2002 UP Assembly election, with SP in 2004 Lok Sabha polls, with BJP in 2009 Lok Sabha election. with congress in 2012 up assembly and 2014 lok sabha polls with sp and bsp in 2019 lok sabha election and with sp in 2022 assembly election if you feel dizzy trying to keep count of charan singh's and ajit singh's political somersaults don't blame yourself it has always paid for the choudhury family of uttar pradesh jain choudhury's grandfather was a mass leader who could oppose even jawaharlal nehru's idea of Soviet style cooperative uh, joint farming in 1959 uh, during the AICC's Nagpur session a resolution was passed recommending cooperative joint farming as future agrarian pattern that was at the AICC session and the produce was to be shared partly based on labor rendered and partly in proportion to the land pooled Charan Singh gave a rousing speech against it in 1954 he wrote to nehru suggesting that marrying outside one's caste should be a qualification for gazetted jobs basically if you are marrying within the caste you do not qualify for a gazetted job that was uh, charan singh's suggestion to nehru he became a pageant's icon for his role in the redemption of rural debts even before the independence zamindari abolition and land reforms among many other things An article in India Today, January 1979 edition, quoted a retired revenue officer who had heard Charan Singh warning the Jats in a public rally, "If you vote for me because I am a Jat, go dump your votes where you like." I am telling you all this just to show what a stalwart Charan Singh was. Ajit Singh obviously had big shoes to fill, but the legend of Charan Singh and the Mandal ka Mandal period in uh, politics. enabled him to stay afloat and make the best of it until the 2013 muzaffarnagar riots every time i met ajit singh after that two things always bothered him the split in his jat muslim vote bank and the increasingly transactional nature of voters he would also rue the fact that no new leaders were were emerging because of the high commandist culture in parties and the personality cult which made agitational politics on the ground which propped up new leaders uh, completely outdated jan's father was a leader seeking solutions to these new complexities in politics when he succumbed to covid in 2021 where does it leave jan choudhry today he's caught between a rock and a hard place like his father he has been trying to revive his party's jat muslim vote bank if he goes with the bjp he runs the risk of losing the muslim vote for good a large section of the jats is already aligned with the bjp the bjp would love to make rld its ally and gradually win over the jats who currently support jan choudhury and that's what brings us to what we started with the three generation rule in family businesses and jan choudhury's predicament according to an article in the harvard uh, business review this three generation rule came from the 1980s a study of manufacturing companies in in Illinois the study found that only a third of family businesses 
made it through the second generation and only 13% through the third. With a master's degree in accounting and finance from the London School of Economics, Jayant Chaudhary would know about this three-generation rule, myth, whatever you call it. It may also seem to apply to many other political dynasties in India, from the Nehru Gandhi family to Thakris, Pawars, Godas, Chautalas, Udayanidhi, and they are all you know, third-generation uh, dynasts. No, no. It would also worry many second-generation dynasts. Akhilesh Yadav, Tejasvi Yadav, Chirag Paswan, Hemant Soren, Nara Lokesh, Anupriya Patel. There are many, many of them. Politicians such as Navin Patnaik, Vice Jagan Mohan Reddy, Tanyad Sangma, might probably console themselves with the fact that their fathers were in a different party. And so, so they should come in the category of first-generation political entrepreneurs. Meanwhile, uh, first-generation leaders such as Mamta Banerjee, Arvind Kejriwal, E.K. Palanisamy and Eknath Shinde would feel more secure. So are these second or third-generation dynasts and their parties, what do you call them, companies, businesses, doomed to fail? Is that a good enough reason for leaders like Jayant Chaudhary to make the best of what's on offer today? One doesn't know. The BJP, however, seems to be convinced. In the past decade or so, we have seen the BJP attempting hostile takeovers of dynasty rule parties by either buying out or appropriating public shares. You may call them vote bank. For instance, uh, Jats from the RLD, EBCs from the JDU, Dalits from the BSP. The BSP is not a dynasty control party yet. Vokaligas from the JDS or even Yadavs from the SP and the RJD. In some cases, BJP has tried to buy out minority shareholders like the Eknath Shinde faction of the Shiv Sena or the Ajit Pawar faction of the NCP. These ag aggressive strategies are forcing some promoters to reach an agreement with the BJP to survive in the short term. Some others, of course, uh, remain uh, defiant. So what are the options for second or third generation political dynasts like Jan Chaudhary? Many, as suggested in an article in the 2021 Howard Business Review I spoke about, the article said, the three-generation rule could not be farther from the truth. On an average, the data suggests that family businesses last far longer than typical companies do. Indian political dynasts uh, may want to read the Harvard Business Review article carefully. What did this article say? It said, rather than being obsessed with hitting quarterly earnings targets, as public companies are, family businesses tend to think in terms of generations, which allows them to take actions that put them in a better position to endure the tough times. At the heart of their success is a way of doing business that puts long-term survival above short-term benefits or profits. Family ownership brings a competitive advantage in situations that demand resiliency rather than rapid growth. That is Howard Business Review article. And there are many such articles like this, almost suggesting similar things. This article goes, goes on to cite uh, many examples and studies to support its claim. I'm putting a link here if you also wish to read. Let me repeat what to me was the central point in the article. At the heart of their success is a way of doing business 
that puts long-term survival above, above short-term profits. The problem with political dynasties in India is their desperation for short-term gratification. Unlike the leaders of the BJP or RSS who keep slogging for decades without even fixing a time frame for dividends, it's this resilience and patience that Indian dynasties do not seem to have. That's all from me in this episode of Politically Correct. Thanks for watching.